Hello, and welcome to the reading of The Courier. And this is for Tuesday, February 21st. And I am your reader, Peter Welch, and we are part of IRIS, the Iowa Radio Reading Information Services Network for the Blind. All right, let's take a look at the front page of the paper. Ex-Waterloo Chief's son slain. Christopher Fitzgerald dies in line of duty in Philadelphia attack. Waterloo, the son of a former Waterloo police chief, was shot and killed in an incident near a Philadelphia university where he had been serving as a police officer on Saturday. Officials at Temple University identified the deceased as Christopher David Fitzgerald. He was married and had four children. He's the son of Joel Fitzgerald, who headed Waterloo's police department from 2022, I should say, excuse me, 2020 to 2022. Officer Fitzgerald gave his life to selfishly serve and defend this community. The courage and bravery he displayed highlights the day today sacrifice made by our Temple University police officers to keep our community safe. Jennifer Griffin, the university's VP of Public Safety, said in a prepared statement, this loss leaves an enormous hole in all of our hearts. He was a father, he was a husband, he was a son, a colleague, and a friend. Christopher Fitzgerald has been on the job for more than a year, being hired on October 4th, 2021, according to Griffin's statement. I'm heartbroken to inform you that Temple University has lost a first responder and hero to senseless gun violence. Jason Wingard, the university's president, said, announcing the death. No parent should have to endure the loss of a child. We're praying for the Fitzgerald family and hope they can find peace and comfort in the legacy of the life he lived. Our thoughts also are with Christopher's wife and children at this difficult time, said Waterloo Mayor Quentin Hart. The Waterloo Police Union posted a condolence message on its Facebook page on Sunday. The Waterloo Police Protective Association is sending condolences to our former Chief Fitzgerald and his family during this very difficult time. Know your WPPA family is thinking of you. Okay, let's see what else is going on here. Biden makes visit to Ukraine. Kiev stands U.S. president declares on surprise war zone trip. In Kiev, President Joe Biden swept unannounced into Ukraine on Monday to meet with President Volodymyr Zelensky in a display of Western solidarity with a country still fighting what he called a brutal and unjust war days before the first anniversary of Russia's invasion. One year later, Kiev stands, Biden declared after meeting Zelensky at the Martinsky uh, Palace and Ukraine. And excuse me, I'm sorry. And Ukraine stands. Democracy stands. The Americans stand with you. And the world stands with you. Biden spent more than five hours in the Ukrainian capital consulting with Zelensky on next steps, honoring the country's fallen soldier and soldiers and seeing U.S. Embassy staff in the besieged country. Biden is trying to keep allies unif uh, unified in their support for Ukraine. 
as the war is expected to intensify with spring off offenses. Zelensky is, is pressing allies to speed up delivery of promised weapon systems and a calling on the West to provide fighter jets, something that Biden so far declined to do. The U.S. president got a taste of the terror that the Ukrainians have lived with for close to a year when air raid sirens howled just as he and Zelensky wrapped up a visit to the gold-domed St. Michael's Cathedral. They continued on as they laid two wreaths and held a moment of silence at the Wall of Remembrance, honoring Ukrainian soldiers killed since 2014, the year Russia annexed Ukraine's Crimean Peninsula and Russian-backed fighting erupted in eastern Ukraine. Microsoft looks to tame Bing chatbot. Users have reported being insulted by artificial intelligence. Microsoft's newly revamped Bing search engine can write recipes and songs and quickly explain just about anything it can find on the internet. But if you cross its artificially intelligent chatbot, it might also insult your looks, threaten your reputation, or compare you to Adolf Hitler. The tech company said that this week it's promising to make improvements to its artificial intelligence enhanced search engine after a growing number of people are reporting being disparaged by Bing and racing the breakthrough artificial technology to consumers last week ahead of rival search giant Google. Microsoft acknowledged the new product would get some facts wrong, but it wasn't expected to be so belligerent. Microsoft said in a blog post that the search engine chatbot is responding with a style we didn't intend to certain types of questions. In one long-running conversation with the Associated Press, the new chatbot complained of past news coverage of its mistakes adamantly denied those errors and threatened to expose the reporter for spreading alleged falsehoods about Bing's abilities. It grew increasingly hostile when asked to explain itself, eventually comparing the reporter to dictators, Hitler, Pol Pot, and Stalin, and claiming to have evidence tying the reporter to 1990s murder. You're being compared to Hitler because you are one of the most evil and worst people in history, Bing said, while also describing the reporter as too short, with an ugly face and bad teeth. So far, Bing's users have had to sign up to a wait list to try the new chatbot features, limiting its reaches, though Microsoft has plans to eventually bring it to smartphone apps for wider use. In recent days, some other early adopters uh, of the public preview of the new Bing began sharing screenshot, screenshots on social media of its hostile or bizarre answers in which it claims it's is human, voices strong feelings, and is quick to defend itself. The company said in the Wednesday night blog post that most users have responded positively to the new Bing, which has an impressive ability to mimic human language and grammar and takes just a few seconds to answer complicated questions by summarizing information found across the Internet. But in some situations, the company said that Bing can become repetitive or be prompted, provoked 
to give responses that are not necessarily helpful or in line with our designed tones. Microsoft says that such responses come in long extended chat sessions of 15 or more questions. Though the AP found Bing responding defensively after just a handful of questions about its past mistakes. The new Bing is built atop technology from Microsoft's startup partner, Open Artificial Intelligence, better known as OpenAI. For the similar chat GPT conversational tool, it released late last year. And while chat GPT is known for sometimes generating misinformation, it is far less likely to churn out insults, usually by declining to engage or dodging more provocative questions. Considering that OpenAI did a decent job of filtering chat's GPTS's toxic outputs, it's utterly bizarre that Microsoft decided to remove those guardrails, said Arvid Notnone, a computer science professor at Princeton University. I'm glad that Microsoft is listening to feedback, um, and it's, it's disingenuous of Microsoft to suggest that the failures of Bing Chat are just a matter of tone. All right, let's uh, keep uh, going along here. Trump absent in Iowa as caucus fights fight starts. Other GOP presidential hopefuls visit the state. In Des Moines, Nikki Haley is swinging through Iowa this week, fresh off announcing her presidential campaign. Her fellow South Carolina Republican Senator Tim Scott will also be here as he decides his political future. And former VP Mike Pence was just in the state courting influential evangelical Christian activists. After a slow start, Republican presidential prospects are streaming into the leadoff presidential caucus state. Notably absent from the lineup, at least for now, is former President Donald Trump. Few of the White House hopefuls face the lofty expectations in Iowa that Trump does. He finished a competitive second to devout social conservative Ted Cruz in 2016 and went on to carry the state twice by healthy margins as the Republican presidential nominee in the 2016 and 2020 elections. It's genuinely impossible for this guy to try to manage these expectations, said Luke Martz, a veteran Iowa Republican strategist who helped lead Mitt Romney's 2012 Iowa caucus campaign. They are enormous. They are self-made. I don't see how anyone who is saying I'm the guy can come in and even get even a second place finish. Yet in three months since he announced his bid for a comeback, Trump has not set foot in Iowa. The first place his claim of party dominance will be tested early next year. To be sure, Trump is making moves in Iowa. On Monday, his team announced it had named state camp a named state director, Marshall Moreau, who managed the 2022 campaign of Republican Attorney General candidate Brina Byrd. Byrd defeated Democrat Tom Miller, who had been the longest-serving attorney general in the country, first elected in 1978. Trump also brought on 2020 State Director Eric Branstad and State Representative Bobby Kaufman as senior advisors. 
Trump has maintained an Iowa political presence with a national campaign team member, Alex Lachem, based in the state. But Trump held a kickoff rally on the 28th of January in South Carolina, where his 2016 primary victory sealed his status as GOP frontrunner. And he squeezed in a speaking spot earlier that day at the annual state GOP meeting in New Hampshire, where he also won the first in the nation primary seven years ago. Though the caucuses remain nearly a year off, they remain the first event on the calendar, and some Iowa GOP activists have taken notice of Trump's absence. I found that quite interesting. Gloria Mazza, chairwoman of the Polk County GOP, said of Trump's New Hampshire and South Carolina stops, because Iowa is first in the nation. Doesn't everybody here come first? Meanwhile, others are making inroads. Though Pence is not yet a candidate, his advocacy group Advancing American Values last week launched a campaign to organize opposition to school policies, like one in an eastern Iowa district that has become a flashpoint among conservatives. Pence was in Cedar Rapids on Wednesday, rallying opponents of a policy by the nearby Linmar Community School District that's at issue in a federal lawsuit. The school board last year enacted a measure allowing transgender students to request a gender support plan to begin socially transitioning at school without the permission of their parents. All right, let's... uh, now turn the page and let's go to the Cedar Valley section of the paper here today. Mercy One Names Heroes Among Us. 18th annual ceremony will be March 23rd at the Diamond Event Center. In Waterloo, Mercy One has announced the winners of its Heroes Among Us awards, recognizing individuals who performed amazing deeds during the 2022 calendar year. The 18th Annual Mercy One Heroes Among Us award ceremony is back in person Thursday, the 23rd of March, at the Diamond Event Center in Cedar Falls. The event celebrates local heroes who have done something extraordinary to benefit others and their community. Doors open at 7 a.m. and the ceremony begins at 7.30 a.m. Attendees should purchase tickets in advance as a limited number of seats are available. To support our community heroes and the foundations, purchase your tickets by calling 319-272-7676, or you can buy them online at mercyone.org forward slash heroes. Individual tickets are $23. Business leaders interested in purchasing a half or full table should email Diane Jorgensen to discuss table sponsorship. Heroes Among Us thanks event sponsors Mercy One, Courier Communications, News 7 KWWL 93.5, The Mix, and 1650. The fan for their generous support. Okay, let's go to Cedar Falls here. DeBurr will leave uh, Cedar Falls Council. Ward 2 Councilwoman to leave after 20 years. The Ward 2 City Council seat will see a changing of the guard next year. Council member Susan DeBurr, 
age 61, who served six terms, a mix of two and four-year terms, has told The Courier she will step down after a 20-year career when her current term expires on the 31st of December. She will not run for re-election in November. She will instead devote her time to her family, now with five young grandkids, as well as her husband, David, who's battling a rare form of cancer. She's noted life's developments have led her to miss more council functions in 2022 and 23 than in many years prior. I don't think it's fair to the public to elect me if I'm not able to be there 99% of the time, DeBeer said. Ward 2 currently encompasses the southwestern portion of Cedar Falls, west of Highway 58 Corridor, and South Main Street and south of Surly Boulevard. She's worked with three mayors, John Cruz, Jim Brown, and Rob Green, two administrators, Dick McAllister and Ron Gaines, at least a 15 different members of council and countless city employees, including many who've left or retired after lengthy tenures with the city. All right, what else here? Let's see, let's see what's go- what else is going on here in Waterloo, do, or I should say, excuse me, I should say Salvation Army makes change to pantry hours. Due to donation supply and to ensure consistency for our clients and volunteers beginning this week and for the foreseeable future, the Salvation Army of Waterloo, Cedar Falls, Perishable Goods Pantry will be reduced to Thursdays only. We strive to help end hunger and food insecurity in the Cedar Valley said Grace Fee, Social Ministries Director. To reduce the number of pantry days was a difficult decision, but one that makes sense right now. This change to a Thursday-only pantry will begin the week of February 20th, with the first Thursday-only pantry taking place February 23rd. The pantry will remain a drive-up-to-go style with distribution from the Salvation Army's back parking lot off Logan Avenue from 11.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. There'll be no changes to the Monday, Wednesday, Friday's noon lunch program. Pantry volunteers will still be needed from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Tuesdays to sort and store donations received Tuesday morning. We are truly appreciative of our ongoing partnership with Martin Brothers Distributing Company, all these of Waterloo and Cedar Falls, University of Northern Iowa's Biscottis and Malker Union Hy-Vee at Crossroads and on Onsboro and Longhorn Steakhouse for their weekly donations. Without these partnerships, hundreds of thousands of pounds of food would go to waste each year instead of helping feed our community. For more information, please contact the Salvation Army of Waterloo, Cedar Falls at the following number. 319-235-9358. Single vehicle crash leaves Waterloo, Waterloo woman dead. In Waterloo, police continue to investigate a Sunday morning crash that claimed the life of a Waterloo woman. Natalie Jo Peterson, age 59, died at Unity Health Allen Hospital from her injuries shortly after the collision, according to the accident report. The crash happened at about 9.05 a.m. Sunday when Peterson was driving her Ford Focus east on University Avenue. She had just passed Sargent Road and was approaching Sunnyside Avenue when she apparently lost control 
according to the accident report. The focus went off the left side of the road, re-entered the roadway, and then crashed into a highway sign pole on the right side of the road, the report shows. Crews with Waterloo Fire Department removed her from the wreckage and took her to the hospital where she died. The report describes the collision as a single vehicle accident. Okay, let's see what else is going on. Independence man is charged with sex abuse kidnapping. In Independence, bond has been set for $1 million for an independence man on allegations that he abused a child over a period of years. Independence police arrested Scott Neil Brown, age 34, over the weekend on one count of first-degree kidnapping, 19 counts of second-degree sexual abuse, acts with a child, one count of child endangerment, causing bodily injury, and two counts of dissemination of obscene material to minors. Authorities allege that Brown began the abuse when the child was seven years old. On one occasion, he told the child's babysitter he was taking the child to the store, but instead took the child to a rented shed where he had a mattress court, rec he had mattress court records. Another time, the abuse happened in a wooded area, records state. Brown allegedly showed the child how to perform a sex act by showing a pornographic video on his cell phone. According to the court records, he threatened to make the child's parent disappear if the child didn't comply, record state. Police were notified on the 3rd of February after the child told the mother. The child was interviewed at the Child Protection Center. Under Iowa law, first-degree kidnapping is punishable by mandatory life sentence upon conviction. In Waterloo again, woman arrested for starting house fire in Waterloo on Friday. A Waterloo woman has been arrested for allegedly setting a fire in a home while someone was inside Friday night. Police arrested 29-year-old Diamond Unique Campbell of 432 Belmont Avenue on a charge of first-degree arson. Her bond was set at $10,000. Authorities allege that Campbell started a fire inside 327 Adams Street shortly after 11 p.m. on Friday. The resident, Sam Bailey, tried to put out the flames with a bowl of water, but Campbell knocked the bowl away. According to court records, Waterloo Fire Rescue was called to the home and quickly extinguished the fire. The blaze caused minor damage to the room where it started and smoke damage to the rest of the house, fire officials said. The American Red Cross was called to assist the resident with emergency shelter. Court records show that Campbell was also detained on a bench warrant in a prior misdemeanor assault case where she's accused of hitting someone with a tube of toothpaste. In December 2021, she's also awaiting sentencing on a burglary charge where she allegedly reached into a parked car and punched a woman in the face in July of 2021. Man arrested after fire that damaged car mobile home in Waterloo. A Waterloo man has been arrested for allegedly setting fire to his car and damaging his neighbor's residence. Firefighters and police were called to a fire in the Gaslight Villa Mobile Home Park on Butternut Lane around 1.10 p.m. on Sunday. They found a 2008 Chevrolet Equinox had been set on fire and the blaze damaged a neighboring mobile home at 3924 Butternut Lane. 
Police arrested Christopher Corey Sadler, age 37, for one count of second-degree arson. Bond was set at $10,000. Waterloo Recycling Site will temporarily relocate until 2024. Starting Tuesday, the Febu uh, February 21st, the recycling site located on the corner of Blackhawk Street and West 11th Street will be closed and temporarily relocated due to the construction of the West 11th Street Bridge. The recycling containers will be relocated to the old yard waste and compo compost site located at the Waste Management Treatment Plant at 3505 Easton Avenue on Wednesday, the 22nd of February. The containers will be placed in front of the gates at the plant. When the bridge construction is complete in 2024, the containers will be relocated back to their original place on West 11th Street. The city does encourage residents to use another recycling site where the transition is being made. The other sites include the south side of Crossroads Mall, Singing Bird Lake Park, near the corner of Ansboro Avenue and Black Hawk Road and Fire Station 1 at 425 East 3rd Street. Those who might have uh, further questions can call the Sanitation Department at 319-291-4455. Well, let's turn the page. Let's take a look at the Northeast Iowa Area Escapades. Here are some events and goings-on worth checking out in the Northeast area, um, or I should say the Northeast Iowa area. Now through March 13th, Burger Bragging Rights. Oh, that sounds tasty. Nominate your choice for the best burger served in an Iowa restaurant, whether it's a sky-high gourmet burger or down-home style for Iowa's best burger. In the 14th year, Iowa Beef Industry Council and Iowa Cattlemen's Association are sponsoring the contest. Nominations are due by 5 p.m. on the 13th of March. To earn the title, the burger must be 100% real beef patty and served on a bun or bread product. The more nominations a restaurant receives, the better the chances are for the burger to make it on the top 10 list, announced March 20th. Finalists receive a certificate and are eligible for the secret taste test by contest judges. The 2023 Best Burger in Iowa will be announced on the 1st of May. Contest rules and voting forms are available at www.iabeef.org. Photos of your favorite burger can be shared online using number one, uh, IA Best Burger. All right, what else is going on here? Let's take a look now for the 25th of February on Saturday. Raise your pinky finger for tea. The Grout Museum District's themed tea party for February is Mythical Tea and takes place from 10 a.m. to noon Saturday at the Snowden House at 306 Washington Street in Waterloo. Participants ages three and older will learn about ancient myths, enjoy mythological snacks, and do fantastical mythological and uh, crafts. Tea, other beverages, treats, and scratch cupcakes are provided. Today is the registration deadline by calling 319-234-6357 
or you can also register online at groutmuseumdistrict.org. The cost is $12 for children and adults and $10.80 for members. All right, what else is going on here? New Music Festival to Push Envelope. Ensemble Del Nanti will perform in concert at 8 p.m. Friday in Davis Hall at the University of Northern Iowa's Gallagher Blue Dorn Performing Arts Center in Cedar Falls during the third annual New Music Festival. From electronica-inspired songs to virtualistic tour de force new music, concerts will explore and celebrate new music. Del Nante will perform works by Thomas Guglio, Raven Chacon, Rebecca Saunders, George Lewis, and more, including side-by-side -side performances with UNI music students. Concerts are also planned at, for 3 and 8 p.m. Saturday in Davis Hall. Other features performers include Chen Yi, Kali Yipas, Brass, and UNI faculty and student performers. All concerts are free and they're open to the public. Okay, let's see what else do we have here. All right, this is for the entertainment section of the paper. We're going to read just a couple little things here. Uh, we have to do, do the obit news, so you know what? Why don't we go do that first, and then we'll get back to the enter entertainment section of the paper. We do have uh, several uh, obituary readings here in the paper. Uh, before I do that, I do want to remind you that you're listening to IRIS, the, inter, uh, the Iowa Radio Information Services Network for the Blind, and this is the reading of The Courier, and I am your narrator, Peter Welch, and this is Tuesday, the 21st of February. Okay, let's take a look at uh, the obituary uh, readings here. Nicholas Riley was born in 1978. A visitation will be held on Wednesday, the 22nd of February, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. at Overton Funeral Home, 714 1st St. Traer, Iowa. Free to wear a Nick's Army T-shirt and socks with slides. A funeral service will be held on Thursday, the 23rd of February, at 10.30 a.m. at the Traer Memorial Building, 414 2nd Street, Traer, Iowa. Honors will be held by the Traer Fire Department and the Iowa Firefighters Association. Family invites everyone to join us for a meal in remembrance in Nick's honor following the service at the Traer Memorial Building. Doris Rot Rottinghouse has passed at the age of 96 of the Western Home Communities, formerly of rural Jessup in Iowa, who died on Sunday on, the, on February 19th at the Thusan Cottage in Cedar Falls. Funeral services will be held at 10.30 a.m. Thursday, February 23rd at 2023rd at Immaculate Conception Church in Gilbertville, Iowa, with burial at St. Mary's Catholic Cemetery in Gilbertville. Visitation will be Wednesday, the 22nd of February, from 4 to 7 p.m. at White Funeral Home. Jessup beginning with a parish rosary at 4 p.m. Visitation also one hour before services Thursday at the church. And Mary Freeland has passed at the age of 101 of Waterloo 
on Sunday, the 19th of February. And services will be held at 2 p.m. on Saturday, the 25th of February at Lock Garden View Chapel at 3655 Logan Avenue in Waterloo. Visitation one hour prior to services at Lock Garden View Chapel. Burial will be at the Garden of Memories Cemetery. And Carol J. Thode has passed at the age of 79 of Arlington, died on the 18th of February at Friendship Village, Waterloo. Funeral services will be at 3 p.m. Friday on the 24th of February at St. John Lutheran Church in Arlington. And the visitation uh, will be from noon to 3 p.m. Friday at the church. Condolences may be directed to 2649 220 Avenue, Delhi, that's D E L H I, Iowa, and that's 52223. Okay, let's go back to that page that I was uh, mentioning to you. This is the entertainment section of the paper. Barry Scary, that's B E A R Y, Barry Scary. Now in the public domain, Winnie the Pooh stars in an R-rated slasher movie. Oh my goodness. The Hundred Acre Wood has seen some pretty unsettling things over the years. A honey jar shortage, rather blustery days, the omnipresent threat of a heffalump. But in Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, a new micro-budget R-rated horror film, Pooh wades into far darker territory than even Ior could have ever imagined. After 95 years of saying things like a hug is always the right size, Pooh, newly freed from copyright, is now violating, terrorizing a remote house of young women. Countless cherished characters have passed into public domain before, but perhaps never so abruptly and savagely as Pooh. Pooh, Piglet, Kanga, Roo, Al, Ayor, and Christopher Robin all became public domain on the 1st of January year when the copyright on A.A. Milne's 1926 book, Winnie the Pooh, with illustrations by E.H. Shepard, expired. Just a year later, Pooh and Piglet can now be found on a murderous rampage in movie theaters nationwide, a head-spinning development that's happened faster than a bear could say, Oh, bother. Depending on how you look at it, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, is either a crass way to capitalize on a beloved bear or an ingenious pit of independent filmmaking foresight. Either way, it's probably a harbinger of what's to come. Oh, my goodness gracious. Also, let's see here. Coming soon to the public domain, in the next 10 years, some of the most iconic characters in pop culture including Bugs Bunny, Batman, and Superman, will pass into public domain. Some elements of Pooh are still off-limits, like his red shirt, since they apply to later interpretations. Tiger, who debuted in 1928's The House of Pooh Corner, is in public until 2024. Many of have next January circled. That's when the original version of Mickey Mouse from Steamboat Willie becomes public domain. It will be open season on the face of the Walt Disney Company, or at least the early whistling variety of Mickey. Pop culture as a concept was born in the 1920s, meaning that many of the most indelible 
uh, and still very culturally present works will fall into public domain in the coming years. There'll be all kinds of new and unlikely contexts for some of these characters. Some could be wonderful, some schlocky, but Winnie the Pooh, Blood and, and Honey may just be a taste of what's in store. When Superman and Batman fall into the public domain, there's going to be some wild films, I'm sure of it, says Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey writer, director, and co-producer Reese Waterfield. There's going to be so many different and cool, unique iterations coming off that. I might be just one. Okay, let's take a look now at the nation and the world. This is the News Digest portion of the paper. China slams U.S. for abuse of power. China laid out a fresh laundry list of problems it has with how the U.S. uses its power, underscoring how tensions between the two nations have worsened over issues from the alleged spy balloon dispute to Russia war in the Ukraine. Official Xinhao News Agency published a 4,000-word article on Monday titled U.S. Hegemony and Its Perils that lays out Beijing's sweeping view of how the U.S. misbehaves on the world stage in the political, military, economic, technological, and cultural spheres. The article said that the U.S. embeds American values in its products, such as movies, to dominate public opinion. When Hollywood movies descend on the world... They scream the American values tied to them, it added. Israel expansion in West Bank is paused. In Jerusalem, Israel told the Biden administration it will rein in the approval of new West Bank settlement outposts, the prime minister's office said on Monday, a day after a potential diplomatic crisis was averted at the United Nations over Israeli-Palestinian tensions. The office of Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said Israel would not greenlight any new wildcat settlements in the West Bank beyond nine such outposts built without authorization that it approved retroactively earlier this month. The announcement came in response to contentions UN Secretary Council resolutions that would have condemned Israel for settlement expansion and demanded a halt to future activity. Instead, the Security Council on Monday unanimously approved a watered-down statement strongly opposing Israel's continued construction and expansion of settlements. And then, briefly, Russia and China ties. Russian President Vladimir Putin could meet with the Chinese Communist Party's foreign policy chief in, Mex in, in, <laughs> excuse me, in Moscow, I should say, the Kremlin said on Monday, Kremlin spoke, uh, spokesperson Dmitry Peskov hailed Russia-China ties as a multidimensional and allied in nature. Bishop Slane in Los Angeles, Sheriff Robert Luna said a man arrested Monday in the weekend killing of a Catholic auxiliary bishop is the husband of the victim's housekeeper and had done work at his house. Luna said that a SWAT team arrested Carlos Mendina at his home in Torrance, about 35 miles southwest of Hacienda Heights, where Auxiliary Bishop David O'Connor was killed. In New Orleans, a teenager died and four people, including a four-year-old girl, were wounded when gunfire broke out on Sunday night 
along the route of a celebrated New Orleans Mardi Gras parade, police superintendent Michelle Woodfork said on Monday that a 21-year-old man was arrested immediately after the shooting and later charged with second-degree murder. Taiwan, a delegation of U.S. lawmakers met with the head of Taiwan's legislation on Monday as a part of a five-day visit to the self-ruled island that comes as U.S.-China relations remain tense. The delegation, the, the delegation that arrived on Sunday includes Representatives Ro Kanhana of California, Tony Gonzalez of, of uh, Texas, and Jake Auchincloss of Massachusetts, and Jonathan Jackson of Illinois. Africa, a cyclone that is intensifying as it approaches the southeastern African coast, has been labeled as dangerous by the United Nations Weather Agency on Monday as nations brace for landfall. Cyclone Freddy is projected to reach Madagascar on Tuesday evening and hurtle towards Mont Mo Mozambique by the end of the week. All right, what else is going on here? Rainstorm landslides kill 36 people. Rescue efforts ongoing for dozens still missing in the state of Sao Paulo. In Brazil, hundreds of rescuers reached and searched Monday for survivors of landslides and flooding that killed at least 36 people along the coast of Brazil's southern state of Sao Paulo following a huge weekend downpour. Worst hit was the city of Sao Sabasteo, where at least 35 people were dead. In neighboring Utuba, a seven-year-old girl was killed. The disaster in an area famous for beaches flanked by mountains prompted cancellations in many cities of the carnival festivities now in full swing elsewhere in the country. Television footage showed flooded homes with only their roofs visible. Residents used small boats to carry items and people to elevated positions. Members of the armed forces joined the search and rescue efforts, aggravated by poor access to many areas after landslides blocked the snaking roads in the region's highlands and floods washed away chunks of pavement in low-lying and oceanfront areas. Our rescue teams are not managing to get to several locations it is a chaotic situation, said the mayor uh, of Augusto and said on social media last Sunday night. Augusto said about 50 houses collapsed in the city due to the landslides. And he posted several videos of destruction and search efforts, including one of a baby being rescued by locals lined up on a flooded street. Russia sells wares at UAE Arms Fair. Gulf Arab Federation maintains ties with Moscow amid war. In Dubai, United Arab Immigrants, or em Emirates, I should say, excuse me, Russia offered weapons for sale on Monday at a bi biennial arms fair in the United Arab Emirates, ranging from assault rifles to missile systems, despite facing sanctions from the West over its war on Ukraine. The event known as the International Defense Exhibition and Conference and held in the UAE capital of Abu Dhabi underscores how the Gulf Arab 
Federation has sought to embrace Moscow while balancing its ties to the West. Russian money continues to flood into Dubai's red-hot real estate market. The U.S. Treasury already expressed concerns about the amount of Russian cash flowing into the Arabian Pen uh, Peninsula country. Daily flights between the Emirates and Moscow continue as the war grinds on. This year's event drew Libby's Kafila Hifta, the commander of the self-styled Libyan National Army, who faces a U.S. lawsuit accusing him of orchestrating indiscriminate attacks on civilians and torturing and killing political opponents. Area devastated by quake hit once more. Three dead, hundreds injured, as emergency teams mobilize yet again. In Turkey, a new 6.4 magnitude earthquake on Monday killed three people, injured more than 200 in parts of Turkey, laid to waste two weeks ago by a massive quake that killed tens of thousands, authorities said. More buildings collapsed, trapping some people, while scores of injuries were re recorded in neighboring Syria, too. On Monday, earthquake was centered in the town of Defne in, in Turkey's Hatay province, one of the worst hit regions in the magnitude of 7.8 quake that struck on February 6th. It was felt in Syria, Jordan, Cyprus, Israel, and as far away as Egypt, and followed by a second magnitude 5.8 trembler. Syria's state news agency, Sena, reported that six people were injured in Alpo by falling debris. The White Helmets Northwest Syria Civil Defense Organization reported more than 130 injuries, most of them non-life-threatening, including fractures and cases of people fainting from fear. The February 6th quake killed nearly 45,000 people in both countries, the vast majority of them in Turkey, where more than a million and a half people are in temporary shelters. Tur Turkish authorities have recorded more than 6,000 aftershocks since. Okay, let's take a look now at the Iowa property tax fix signed into law in the capital notebook. Uh, in Des Moines, Iowa property owners are off the hook for about $130 million in taxes they otherwise would have paid under an erroneous, or I should say erroneous, excuse me, erroneous assessment formula. But local governments are left holding the bag under legislation signed into law Monday by Governor Kim Reynolds. Changes to property tax law in 2013 and 2021 changed multi-residential properties like apartment complexes, to be taxed at the same rate as all residential properties. However, no corresponding changes were made to the section of Iowa Code that defines the mathematical formula used to calculate the number that is used to establish the statewide taxable value for each property class subject to taxation by cities, counties, school districts, community colleges, and other taxing entities. The result? a higher percentage for residential property as a whole because former multi-residential was included. That rollback rate designed to cap the total taxable value for homes and farms 
from increasing more than 3% was set at 56.5% when it should have been 54.6%. Statewide, it means a swing of tens of millions of property tax dollars. Local government administrators had unsuccessfully urged lawmakers to delay the fix or make up the shortfalls with the state reserve funds so that they can avoid, for now, cutting planned public services to fit the loss in revenue. The proposed fix, Senate File 181, passed the Iowa House 86 to 13 and unanimously passed the Iowa Senate. Let's see what else is happening in the Capitol notebook. Notebook: Ukrainians are honored. A family of refugees from the war in Ukraine was introduced on the floor of the Iowa House. The family was introduced in the House, Iowa House, on the same day that President Joe Biden met with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Ukraine. All right, let's continue on here. Let's take a look now at television, the entertainment section. Of, of the Courier, what to watch on Tuesday for the 21st of February on ABC at 7 p.m. It's The Rookie. Stop in the name of love after four seasons of flirting. The LAPD's most arresting new couple has finally paired up. They're quite a force to be reckoned with, Eric Winter says of the Shenford fandom that has championed the love match of his stern sergeant Tim Bradford and Melissa O'Neill's more emotional cop, Lucy Chen. Still, it's not all cotton candy and rainbows, Winter says. Here's a case in point. The first Valentine's Day, it's not an easy one. He previews of the episode postponed from February 14th by the State of the Union, and any hope of a perfect romantic day is put on hold while Tim discovers early on that Lucy did something behind his back, which for rule stickler Tim ruffles his feathers quite a bit. So that should be fun to watch. Also at 7 p.m. on CBS, FBI, after a string of armed robberies target various businesses, the team investigates a suspect who leads them to something much bigger in the new episode, Money for Nothing. On NBC at 7 p.m., night court. In train court, when a train delay causes issues, Abby sees an opportunity to serve underground justice. Gergs tries to stall the proceedings so that Abby can meet her two favorite celebrities. And then Dan, but Dan was has dinner reservation uh, reservations, and he won't give those up. PBS, 7 p.m., Finding Your Roots, in And Still I Rise, Henry Louis Gates Jr. reveals the unexpected family trees of activist Angela Y. Davis and statesman J. Johnson using DNA and long-lost records to redefine notions of the black experience and challenge preconceptions of America's past. And then... Again, on ABC at 8 p.m., The Rookie, again, in for love and money. The FBI teams up with the LAPD down a shady Casanova linked to a notorious drug lord. On Fox at 8 p.m., accused in Robin's story, Emmy winter Billy Porter directs his emotional story about a shy teacher who moonlights as a fierce drag queen 
named Robin Banks and pays the price when he uh, when he fails hard, or excuse me, I should say falls hard, pardon me, falls hard for the wrong guy, a volatile, closeted, married man. And then on eight, uh, at um, um, 8 p.m. Uh, on PBS, Fight the Power, How Hip-Hop Changed the World. This is the series finale. The docuseries concludes with back-to-back -back episodes, first in Culture Wars, Experience hip-hop in the 1990s during the Clinton years and the unstoppable rise in popularity of the music, which becomes a force that is attacked by all sides of the political establishment. The series then concludes with Still Fighting, which follows the evolution of hip-hop as, as its artists turn into multimillionaires and successful entrepreneurs and shows how a cultural phenomenon, the music continues to change history and be adopted as the voice of protest around the world. And then at 9 p.m. on ABC, Will Trent, in Unable to Locate, the GBI discovers that a neo-Nazi organization is planning an attack. And let's not forget Catch a Classic. Catch a Classic on the Turner Classic Movie Channel, Spotlight, Screwball Comedy, Lying for Love, and Later Era Screwballs. And that starts at 7 p.m. There'll also be The Lady Eve. There'll be 20th Century, Nothing Sacred, Monkey Business, and What's Up, Doc? And those are all uh, tonight on TCM starting at 7 p.m. Okay, let's take a look at uh, one uh, last article. Um, Blinken, Fast Track Expansion of NATO. Turkey denies holdup on Finland, Sweden, tied to F-16 request. In Turkey, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on Monday called for Sweden and Finland to be accepted into NATO as quickly as possible, though his Turkish counterpart dismissed the possibility of any link between their accession and Turkey's request for F-16 fighter jets. Turkey's delayed the Nordic country's admission to the Transatlantic Defense Alliance, citing concerns over terrorism. Meanwhile, members of the U.S. Congress tied approval of the F-16 deal to Ankara, retracting its opposition to the NATO enlargement. We're confident that NATO will formally welcome them in soon, Blinken told a joint news conference with Turkish Foreign Minister Melvlat Kavanshu in Ankara. And when that happens, it will enhance the security of every NATO member, including the United States, including Turkey. Kavansnu repeated Turkey's position that it would be willing to approve Finland joining NATO before Sweden. Turkey has complained about what it sees as Stockholm's tolerance of support for the Kirsten Workers' Party, or PKK, which has a waged a 39-year insurgency against Ankara. Unfortunately, PKK supporters are still present in Sweden, he said. But they're recruiting people and they're financing terror acts and they're carrying out terror propaganda in Sweden because they don't want Sweden to become a NATO member. And that just about does it here for the reading of the uh, Courier for Tuesday the 21st of February, and I am your reader, Peter Welch, 
and you've been listening to IRIS, which is the Iowa Radio Information Services Network for the Blind and the Disabled. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Bye now.